pastors here at Community Church, and I am really glad that each and every one of you is here today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that you bring to us. And we ask now that whatever we bring into this place, all of our joys, our pains, that you would meet us where we are and give us what we need today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Starts with a deep philosophical question this morning. Have you put up your Christmas tree yet? Yes. Yes? Yes. How many are real tree? Artificial tree. How many have uh, the uh, Clark Griswold starter set for the outdoor lights? (laughs) I've held out my entire adult life with outside Christmas lights. With grandkids, I don't know. They may... I may succumb. But here's, a, here's another deeper question. When, you know, we, got, we put our tree up um, Friday, and it's kind of, you know, we do it in 90 minutes. Whatever we can get up in 90 minutes, that's what we do. <laughs> but have you had this moment where you, you, you get the lights out, and this happens? Or you get the lights out, and... This happens, some of them light and some of them don't. Now, here's the, here's the question that we've got all kinds of personality tests, but are you the type of person that goes through and fixes every light? How many of you are that? Or how many of you just throw them in the trash and go to Menards and get a new set? Okay. <laughs> I'm in the latter category. Well, it's the Christmas season. And I've been thinking a lot about the light that Jesus gives to us. And, you know, there's the, the light of Jesus. And, you know, we can ask the question, what is the light of Jesus? You know, we just lit the candle of peace. And last week we lit the candle of hope. And in the middle of those candles is, is the light of Christ. So there's the question, what is the light of Jesus. But the other question is how do we actually live in the light of Jesus? And as I think about these lights and I, I think of Advent and this season of preparation, of looking forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus and looking forward to his return, as we live in this already not yet space, How do we live on the daily basis where we can actually experience the lights of hope? What a beautiful, I love hearing those testimonies from the Hope Center. I remember when that that whole thing got started. But we think about the, the, the light of hope. Today we'll do a little bit more on the light of peace, but the light of joy and the light of love. And how do we get it all to light up in a way that we actually experience and live in the light of Jesus. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about and helping live in the light of Jesus. 
So I want to start us at an appropriate place, and that's the beginning of John's gospel. I want to take you to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This is John, the Gospel of John. This is the Apostle John, the the dear, probably one of the best friends of Jesus. This is his account of the light of Jesus. Now, I want us to reflect on that light for just a moment. I believe there are at least three senses in which this light needs to be understood. First of all, there is the light that helps us see. There's the light that helps us see, the light of truth. Jesus broke through into the darkness, into the oppression of a brutal Roman Empire, into the corruption of all the Jewish leadership, both at a global level and at a personal level, he came to bring the light of truth. That's what he came to do, to bring the light that saves us, the light that rescues us from the power of sin and death. So there's the light of truth. There's also what I would call the light of of warmth, the light of connection, the light of what we actually feel on the inside. There's this beautiful picture in John 21 where Jesus has risen. Jesus has, they've gone out to fish. And John's gospel records very precisely, they catch 153 fish and then they they bring them back in. And where's Jesus? He's got the charcoal fire ready. And he says, hey, come have breakfast with me. So there's this light that, of Jesus that brings warmth, that brings connection, that brings good feeling, that says, I'm part of the family. That's what we're invited to be, to be born again, to be a brother and sister, to be a child of God. That's what we're called into. And then there's the light that, that kind of shines ahead of us. There's the light that guides us. There's the light that energizes us as we share that hope with others. So that's the light. Now the question though this morning is, how do we not simply understand this and see this and say, wow, these are nice, wonderful truths about who Jesus is? 
Many of you may be sitting here this morning and say, I've heard this story before. I know the story of Jesus. Some of you may be, this may be new stuff to you, and I'm so glad you're here. Some of you may be like, you know what, I, I bought it at one time and then some things in life happened, kind of drew me away, and for whatever reason, I'm here today. I'm really thankful you're here. But the question I want to ask now is, what, if, if there's the light of Jesus that is available to us, what makes the connection? What makes that light of Jesus actually connect in our experience in a way that we can live in hope, we can live in peace, we can live in joy, we can live in love? How do we get the lights to work? Some of you maybe are like this and you're not even plugged in. Some of you, sometimes I feel like I just got a few lights working. And I got a lot of, I got work to do. I got work to do. So how do I, how do we make that connection? What, what, what do we do to make it? And then what breaks it? And then how do we restore it? How do we restore it? So those are our questions to deal with. And I want to take you to um, some words from the man who was known as the light to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul, who was literally blinded by the light and then given this commission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. So let me take you to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want you to hear those words, and I want those words to sink in for a moment. I believe what we see in this passage is a concentrated combination of the lights of hope and peace and joy and love right in here. And they're all strung together. And let's break it down for a minute. First of all, we have peace with God. Peace with God. Now that's different than the peace of God. Peace with God is necessary because we, before we put our faith and our trust in Christ, we are at war with God. We are in rebellion against God. We have sin that separates us from God. And we put our faith and our trust in Christ. We are reconciled. We are made right with God, and we can enter into a relationship with God. And that is the foundation. We have peace with God, not because we've worked for it. There's a transfer of trust that says, I no longer trust in my own works, my own effort, my own plan, but I'm going to switch my trust. I'm going to transfer my trust, and I'm going to say, I am trusting Jesus in you alone to save me. 
That's a simple step to take. We can't experience the peace of God until we take that step. And we actually have peace with God through faith. And this is a grace in which we stand. This is a grace. We didn't earn it. It is an abiding and immovable status arising from a past action. That's how John Murray, a great theologian, explains it. So there's a grace in which we stand that is objectively true despite our feelings or our circumstances. Let me say that again. It's objectively true whether we feel it or whether we look out in the world and all our experiences light up and say, wow, everything is peachy. Therefore, God must be good and he must love me. No, no, no. There's a grace in which we stand that is independent of our feeling or our circumstances. That's the source. But the peace with God leads to our experience of peace of God. And joy. Look, look, how, look how Paul makes it, makes the, the connection. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There is a joy that can come in. There is a love that can come in. We'll talk about that joy and love in coming weeks in some more detail. But I want you to see this morning how they're connected. That the access we have starts those lights. And there's a string of lights that says, oh, I have peace with God. Now I can experience some peace, some joy, some love, some hope. Those things are true. And we have the Holy Spirit who makes all those things a personal reality. What a wonderful truth. My guest this morning, though, and if I were to look in the mirror and look at my own life, I would say sometimes I'm a lot, maybe not that, but I'm like that a little bit. And I've got some loose connections. (laughs) I've got some loose connections. That there's some things that keep me perhaps keep you, keep us from actually experiencing those lights, those gifts. And what I've been asking myself this week is what breaks that connection? What breaks that connection? Let me give you a hypothesis this morning. I don't know where that word came from. I was a biology minor back in the day, so... Let me give you a theory, a hypothesis, and many would agree with me that um, the enemy of our day, the chief strategy of the evil one in our, whatever, however you want to describe our culture, it's hurry. Hurry. Hurry is the enemy of our day. There's actually a term, psychologists call it uh, hurry sickness. Stick with me if you don't buy it so far. Describes it this way, a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. 
Now, for fun, I'm going to give you 10 signs that maybe they apply to you. Number one, I get mad or irritable easily. Number two, I have hypersensitivity. Minor things affect your emotional well-being. Number three, restlessness. Can't sleep. Can't focus. Am I preaching to anybody yet? (laughs) Number four, workaholism or nonstop activity. Now, this can be true whether you are working for a paycheck or not. Emotional numbness. Other people have called it compassion fatigue. Out of order priorities. I'm more reactive than proactive. I don't have any time for what really matters. You finish the day and you look back and say, I didn't get to what I really needed to get to or wanted to get to or what was most important. Lack of care for your body. Not enough sleep. Who's got time for sleep? No exercise. No time to cook a good meal. Maybe some of you, not me, but you're dependent on that black stuff that comes in a pot. and You drink it in the morning. And it's not just like one cup, it's like... They say 12 cups on the pitcher. I don't buy it. I think it's only four or five, really. <laughs> so I've heard. But whatever your stimulant of choice is, you're dependent upon that. Escapist behaviors. Netflix. We even have language for it. We, we binge watch things. Whatever news you like, social media, maybe it's pornography, whatever it may be. What is the escapist behavior? What do we go to that says, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, I just need to escape for a moment? Maybe that's you. I don't know what that is. And please, don't don't hear judgment in this. I believe we all have some of these things. Slippage of spiritual disciplines. I'm turning to all number of distraction rather than setting aside some time to pray, to rest, to read the Bible. And then isolation. That's the tenth. And uh, I didn't come up with this list on my own. A uh, really wonderful, challenging little book called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by a guy named John Mark Comer. Some of you who this, if this re- message gets at you a little bit, I would highly recommend this as a, as a, if, if you need some thinking about that. 
But as you look at those 10, did any of those hit you? Did multiple ones hit you? My guess is some of them hit all of us in some way. So what then is the answer? What restores the connection? What restores the connection? Well, a number of things could potentially restore the connection. Sometimes we're in a hurry and we're exhausted and we're super busy and we just need to slow down. I remember a time in college when I literally needed to slow down. Pastor Dean last week gave us a, uh, a nice old school reference. He said, Jesus is the bridge over troubled water. Talked about the old Simon and Garfunkel song. Now here's where Simon and Garfunkel was a strategy, a technique, a hack for me. I got two tickets and flipped a truck in a year. That gets you into defensive driving. Also doesn't do much for your insurance rates or your bank account. So I had to slow down. So instead of playing the music that I really liked, can I just say that like ACDC, like some of this hard stuff, some of you are feeling me, others are like, oh my goodness. And I put in Simon and Garfunkel, which was easy listening, which was, oh, I won't sing it for you. I'm too nasally, plus I can't sing, but, but it would slow me down for a minute. But that was very temporary. That's just kind of an outside temporary fix. Sometimes we do think, and that's not bad, but it doesn't last. So I think we need to do something different. So how do we actually restore that connection? There's a better way. We need to receive the rest that Jesus gives us. The cruises read it uh, in the uh, lighting of the Advent, but let me take you to Isaiah 11.10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the, the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. There is a rest. And then some of my favorite words of Jesus, Matthew 11.28. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those are wonderful words from Jesus. Rest for your souls. Now, how do we actually do this? Because here's, here's my problem. I'll hear a message about this. I'll read a book about it, and I'll just get the information about it, but then I don't actually practice it. And it's just information. It's one more thing I got to do. One more thing I got to add to my list. It just has a spiritual thing to it. Well, let me give you a gift this morning. I want to give you a simple practice. Okay, a simple practice. Now, some of us, we may have been convicted by that list, and we might say, wow, there's some things i got to stop doing, and 
great, be led by the Spirit, whatever that may be, do it. But I want to invite you to do a practice that will be really life-giving and helpful. And we're simply going to invite you to, uh, I'm going to call it a daily practice of peace. And it's going to be on the prayer card that I give you on the way out, but it's, it's simply this. It's simply to reflect on these words of Jesus in Matthew, 20, in Matthew um, 11, 28 to 30 that I read. But then I would invite you to take five minutes. Can you find five minutes and rest? Simply sit in silence and rest. I've given you a thought for each day that's very simple. Monday is, Jesus, I am tired and worn out. Rest. Listen. Tuesday, Jesus, I need rest for my soul. Just take five minutes. Just take five minutes. Some of you may already have a wonderful spiritual discipline and you read and you pray for it. Keep doing that by all means. Some of you may already do this. But I would invite you, just take five minutes and rest. Sit in silence. And rest. Some of you may do what I've been doing this week, and that's to go for a walk with Jesus. Nothing in your ears. Don't don't listen to a podcast. Just take a walk with Jesus. Get this thought and just take a walk. And enjoy it. Walk slow. I have like exercise walks. This isn't that. This is just a slow walk with Jesus. I would invite you to take that walk this week and simply rest in Jesus. Before we go to the communion table, I want to I pray for you this morning. And I want to be really, really specific. I'll be quick but specific. Now, just want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> and if this is you, I'd simply invite you to, to lift your hand up. If you have never experienced peace with God, you're longing for that peace with God, and you don't have it right now, I just want you to slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand. Let me pray for you right now. Thank you for raising your hand. Father, would your spirit right now touch these people with hands up and give them rest for their souls and peace with you right now. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. I want you to keep your eyes closed. If you're like me and some of those lights are on and some of them are off, and you would like to experience more of the hope and joy and peace of Jesus, just slip up your hand.
If that's you this morning, just slip up your hand. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now that whatever the, the barrier may be, whatever that hurry is in our lives, that you would help remove that and replace it with our time with you. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Last category, slip up your hand if there's somebody in your circle of influence that you know is exhausted and they need Jesus right now. Slip up your hand. Father, we come to you now in the strong name of Jesus and we ask, would you work through our people today? Would you work through us to share your hope? Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. Amen. I want to invite us now, as followers of Jesus, we're invited to come to the communion table. Jesus in John 15, 15, he says, uh, very simply, I don't call you servants anymore. You're my friends. And I want you to invite you to the table. And when we come to the table as those who've put our faith and our trust in Christ, and we remember what Jesus has done for us. Remember that he... On the night that he was betrayed, he gathered his disciples in the upper room and he said, uh, broke the bread and after giving thanks, he said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. So may we now receive the bread together. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood, blood of the new covenant, blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. So just as we receive the bread, may we now receive the cup together. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you, we're thankful that we can have peace with you that we have access through Jesus, access through faith, to not only have our sins forgiven, to not only be justified and all those theological terms that we think about, but we can actually experience life with you. Jesus, you are our Emmanuel. You are with us. And we say thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.